You retweeted an unflattering picture of her next to a picture of your wife. I didn't start it. Okay, that's, I didn't uh, start uh, it. Sir, with all due respect, that's the argument of a five-year-old. Anytime he gets upset, anytime he gets threatened, anytime he gets scared, he begins yelling, he begins often cursing. Welcome to Trumpcast, the show about the automatic insult generator known as Donald Trump. I'm Jacob Weisberg. You know, I think I got my hopes up too much about Trump getting knocked out at the GOP convention. That could still happen. 1,237 is still 1,237. But the electronic prediction markets now put the odds of Trump getting the nomination at around 75%. And the scenarios under which the party could stop him are just getting more far-fetched. Republicans who oppose Trump are scrambling to do what they should have done months earlier. It may be too little, too late. My theme for the show this whole week is going to be the Republican Trump never crowd and what they'll do if he does get the nomination. Today's guest is Jane Mayer, the author of a best-selling investigative book about the Koch brothers, the secretive Wichita billionaires who have done more than anyone else to move the Republican Party to the far right. I'll ask her about Charles Koch's comments comparing Trump's policies to Nazi Germany and whether he's entirely serious that he and his brother David might prefer Hillary Clinton as president to Donald Trump. But first, our partners at Second City got their hands on the email lead up to the Ted Cruz-John Kasich deal. It turns out these guys do have something in common besides their desire to stop Trump. Sunday, April 24, 2016, 8.06 a.m. Governor John Kasich to Senator Ted Cruz. Ted, I'm relieved our people were able to work out an arrangement on this. I gather announcements will be made soon, and we can both continue our campaigns with a mutual acknowledgement that a Trump nomination is bad for both party and country. I am sorry I haven't been able to reach out personally yet, but I've been very busy since Beyonce dropped this full album on us last night. Karen and I basically spent the evening with our jaws on the floor. How does she do it? Senator Ted Cruz to Governor Kasich, 8.49 a.m. John, I too am glad clear terms could be agreed on. Although our campaigns differ a great deal in ideas, I know we share a common concern for our party and a sense that Donald's candidacy is destructive to the process and bad for the American people. Re, Queen Bay, unbelievable. Heidi and I were up all night with this thing. The visuals are stunning. Where does she find the time? She's a force of nature. Governor Kasich, 9.36 a.m. Ted, Weaver is telling me we need to be sure about ground rules for Indiana. It's important to me also that our statements are worded similarly and that both campaigns stay on message when the inevitable Trump attacks come. As for Queen B, I'm just in awe of her ability to continually create compelling work and explore new facets of herself as an artist. I'm really responding to the personal nature of the lyrics on these tracks. So brave of her to explore the hardships of her marriage in a public light while still having strong, united family images at the end of the piece. Senator Cruz, 10.19 a.m. John, ground rules will be important, and Jeff Rowe in my office will be very precise about turning over files to you on our existing ground strategies in the States. I know my people are drafting something now in a variety of directions on Donald's response. Again, my whole team was totally sidelined this weekend with Beyonce's Lemonade. 
I think we all needed time to take the whole thing in and digest. When it comes to her exploration of marriage, I think it's particularly profound in a country where the institution of marriage is under attack. Kasich, 11.01 a.m. Ted, I'm glad you brought up conservative values. It's important to me to get the message to voters that a vote for Donald is a vote against the interest of anyone who is a true conservative. I wish they understood how empty Donald's feigned concern for them is. I want to say to these voters, he don't love you like I love you. LOL. But I could never do it with the grace and flawlessness of Queen Bay. Cruz, 11.56 a.m. Agreed. Very glad we were able to find common ground on this. I swear, if Trump wins the nomination, I will take a baseball bat to every car on my block, Bay style. Kasich, 12.04 p.m. LOL, I'll join you. Bay for life. Cruz, 11.12 p.m. Seriously, so, so good. Can't stop watching it. See you in Cleveland. That sketch, Lemonade, was written and performed by Steve Waltine. My guest today is Jane Mayer. She's a staff writer for The New Yorker and the author of Dark Money, The Hidden History of the Billionaires Behind the Rise of the Radical Right. Hi, Jane. Hi, so glad to be with you. Jane, your book is about how the Koch brothers from the Wichita oil and gas family who've made tens of billions of dollars have spent hundreds of millions of dollars in secret to influence politics. They've been the most important Republican donors. And they, or at least Charles, don't seem to like Donald Trump very much. No, they don't like Donald Trump. He's probably the least acceptable of the possible candidates to them that have um, come forward for the Republican nomination this year. So it's been a big disappointment for them to see him come to the forefront. Charles Koch went on the ABC show this week on Sunday, and he actually said it was possible that they would support Hillary or just sit out the election if Trump is the nominee. Did did that surprise you, having followed them so, so closely? Well, yeah, I mean, no. Um, I have to say, I don't think that people are interpreting that interview right. They're making much of absolutely nothing. Charles was asked point blank, you know, is it possible you could ever support Hillary? And he said, it's possible if her actions are nothing like her rhetoric. So what he's saying is, sure, anything's plausible. We could support her if she's not Hillary. I actually think that that was kind of a, one of those media blips that is um, sort of a foolish nothing of a story. Also, in truth, the, the Cokes in the past have not gotten involved in the primary phase of presidential politics. This isn't really what they do. So people are kind of misunderstanding who they are and what they do. They get involved in the general election to some extent in pouring money in um, behind the scenes for issues, particularly, and and to some extent, you know, they back Republican candidates. But what they're really about is trying to foment a free market, they would call it, I would call it anti-government revolution in the country that will push the whole country away from looking at government as a uh, force of good. So their view is is basically libertarian, right? David Koch was a libertarian candidate for president, I think, and. 1980, but, but what, what, when they look at Donald Trump, they don't see someone who has any sympathy for those views? 
Right. Well, so take a look at that. It started in 1980. It's really important. Charles and David Koch looked at Ronald Reagan as, again, not conservative enough. They saw him as too much in favor of state government. And remember, Reagan in 1980 was was the standard bearer, of course, for the conservative movement. So, again, when you see the Kochs this year saying, oh, well, none of the candidates are, are what we really want, this is what they've been saying since 1980. Even Ron Paul and Rand Paul were not what they want. So Trump, to get to Trump, he is, <laughs> to them, um, he hits none of the notes that they really care about. It's funny because some of his positions are actually in sync with them, but his rhetoric is populist and kind of anti-1%. Um, he sort of says that the hedge funders are getting away with murder. Well, they would hate that. They are among the world's largest commodities dealers. They have a huge trading department. When they hear hedge fund, they think they think themselves. Sure, they would think themselves. And mostly what they think is that in their um, pantheon, Businessmen rule. They are the, you know, the top dogs. They, they are the people who they think should be venerated. And so you don't hear Trump venerating business. In fact, his, his rhetoric is quite populist. I mean, the, the irony is if you sort of dissect his plans, they're wonderful for the, the wealthiest people in America. I mean, most of the, there have been a number of analyses and they show that, you know, one of them showed particularly that, that the top 1% would get 34% of the tax cuts that he's proposing. And most people who get uh, capital gains will do wonderfully under him because he's proposing huge, huge capital gains cuts. And those go right to the richest people in the country, including people like the Coast. Hmm. Is there anything a little personal there? I, I noticed back in the fall that Trump... Uh, tweeted that all the other Republican candidates who were going to their big summit out in the desert, wherever it was, were puppets. Or he said, are they puppets, question mark? Well, yes, it seems <laughs> quite personal. They are offended by that, obviously. And there's a, there's been this kind of a, a, a couple things that have been written. I'm not really sure what the facts are, but there were, there were rumors that he tried to get himself invited to one of their seminars with the big donors and that they didn't want him. I, I don't know what the story really is, um, but there have been a number of things written so that there's a kind of a little personal animosity there. Charles Koch really is an ideologue, and uh, Trump is an opportunist, you know, who's sort of doing whatever works at the moment. So they really are com- completely on you know different wavelengths. This might be too crude, but Scott Walker, who they liked or before he dropped out in the primary, seemed like a guy they could control. Trump seems like a guy they can't control. Well, absolutely. I mean, you have to wonder if the issue is not just that Trump does not seem like someone who can be pushed around by them. And I, I, I don't know, you know, I mean, I have not had an interview with either Charles or David Cook on this, so you know we're just speculating from what's out there on the public record. But um, you can see that, that the candidates they seem to really like, somebody like Scott Walker, is someone who practically takes dictation from them. Uh, you you weren't too surprised by Charles Koch's interview. I thought we, when he said about Trump's plan to ban Muslims and force them to register that it was monstrous and reminiscent of Nazi Germany— that kind of stunned me. I mean, that sounds like rhetoric from the far left. I think he happens to be right, but I was amazed to hear it come out of his mouth. He actually has said this before also. Um, I went to hear him in, in speaking in Wichita, 
in the fall, and he he said much the same. So I, it's um, you know, I mean, he is a libertarian, and so there, they, you know, if you're talking about things like registries, you're talking about government again. He doesn't like the idea of big government, and um, you know, another issue we haven't really talked about, but it's something that would be anathema to the Cokes would be that the idea of um, any kind of opposition to free trade. This is it's very important to them and to their business. And so, you know, this kind of uh, nativist talk and protectionism is, is something they're completely against and something that Trump has obviously gotten a lot of mileage on. So these guys don't play fair. When you were working on your book, just as an example, they hired personal detectives to investigate your personal life and try to spread false rumors about you, you committing plagiarism. If Trump is headed for the nomination, what do these guys do? I mean, they, they don't seem like the types who lay down without a fight to me. <laughs> um, I, I, you know, from the reporting I've done on them and what they're planning to do in the fall, what I'm being told is that they are very much going to dump a ton of money from their donor group, which has a, a war chest of $889 million, and they're going to spend against Hillary Clinton, and they are going to, no matter who the nominee is, and they, they are very, very much intent on trying to keep Republicans in control of the Senate and the House. The Supreme Court it hangs in the balance. That's very important to them, and they typically spend in ways that very few other people do, which is in down-ballot races. You'll see their organizations pouring money into everything from local judicial races to um, even school board races they've gotten involved in. You know, while the national media is completely focused on the presidential race, the Coke money and that of its donor group has been spread all the way throughout the country in sort of the capillaries of American politics. And that's why they've been so effective. And people don't see it, but they do feel it. But did I hear you say you think they still will spend against Hillary Clinton, even if Trump's the nominee? What's the difference between that and supporting Trump? Um, There is no difference, really. But it will come down to trying to keep the House and the Senate and, and, and stop, you know, if they feel that Hillary is heading towards something like a landslide that might take the Senate with her, you know, they'll, they'll try to blunt that. And um, can I just say one other thing, just because of the, you mentioned the Nazi Germany quote from Charles Koch. I have to say, I thought it was pretty amazing that he would even bring up the subject of Nazi Germany, because one of the things that was most surprising to me in researching his family was that part of the fortune is based on on his father having built a, an oil refinery for Adolf Hitler in Nazi Germany. So it, it's, it, maybe it's on his mind, but um, <laughs> uh, they, they don't come into that subject without a certain kind of tainted history. Although, although in fairness, they built refineries for Stalin too, right? Um, yeah, yeah. I don't know if it makes it in fairness or if it just rounds <laughs> out the picture of, of, of a family that built a fortune and, you know, it, it one of the great American corporate fortunes has its roots in some of the most dubious places. Jane, it's great talking to you. Thanks for joining me. I'm so glad to be with you. Thanks for having me. That's it for today's episode of Trumpcast. Be sure to check us out on iTunes, where you can now find the first 20 episodes of the show ready for listening. You can also leave a rating and review while you're there. Trumpcast is produced by Henry Malofsky and Jason DeLeon. Slate's executive producer is Steve Lichtai. Andy Bowers, as always, is our chief content officer. I'm Jacob Weisberg. Thanks for tuning in to Trumpcast.
Lion Dead Cruz and one for 38 Kasich are unable to beat me on their own. So they have to team up collusion in a two on one shows weakness. <laughs> 